Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. A person's language indicates a lot about who they are. A person's language tells us what country they belong to. Take, for example, here in the United States, we can detect a southern accent. We can also detect an East Coast accent from people who live in maybe Boston or New York. Now, I have heard that we as Midwesterners have an accent, but frankly, I don't hear it at all. More to it, their language tells us about a person's age, their temperament, their moral value, and even their outlook in life. Well, in the first reading, as well as in the gospel, it teaches us about language, the language of faith. In the first reading from Sirach, Sirach belongs to what we call the wisdom literature of our Bible, a select group of books, for example, Proverbs, Psalm, Ecclesiastes, these books contain a language that is harsh in realism, warning us not to be complacent in our faith. But it also takes a look at the human condition after the fall of grace of Adam and Eve. And it concludes that God and only God can provide a sustaining satisfaction, fulfillment, as well as wisdom for us to grow in our faith. Now turn to Sirach. Notice what he says in the first reading. So too does one's speech disclose the bent of one's mind. Praise no one before he speaks, for it is then that people are tested. Sirach is telling us that our language reveals not only what we're thinking, but also it reveals our faith. We are now compelled to meditate upon the meaning of faith. If you look at the sacred scripture, up and down the Bible, it leads us into a deeper faith. Well, that's the purpose of the Bible. But I would argue, faith is probably the most misunderstood word in our society. If you look at the present culture, a lot of the critics of religion say faith is anti-intellectual. It's something that is below reason. The reason why we gather for Mass these critics of religion would say, is that we are a superstitious people. Well, I would argue that's dead wrong. Authentic faith means that we include reason. In fact, faith is above reason. Turn to St. Augustine. Augustine says, faith is a belief in something that is beyond reason. Well, what is beyond reason? Well, just take a look at the crucifix. That is beyond reason. Our God strips himself of all of his majesty, of all of his glory, to be born into this world like us, a frail and human child, for the express purpose of dying on the cross, out of love for us, in order for us to be saved. When you really stop and think of that, that is beyond reason. 
But faith also includes an attitude of trust in the presence of God and God's presence in our life. It's an openness to what God will reveal and what God will invite us to become. And so trust is paramount in our faith. In fact, if you look at any substantial relationship that we have, trust is paramount. Give you some examples. The example of a married couple, a husband and wife, they both trust each other, which fosters fidelity in the relationship. Look at our families. Granted, our family members, we may disagree from time to time, but in the end, we trust that they will support any action or any decision that we make in our life. Look at best friends. They are just that because of the trust they, they have with each other. Best friends trust each other. They trust each other to share their thoughts, their feelings, their ideas. Best friends are together through thick and thin. Through the best of times and worst of times, best friends stand with each other. They don't leave. That's what makes them who they are. Likewise, in our faith, we trust in God, guiding our lives. Again, go back to Sirach. He says, So too does one's speech disclose one's mind, for it is then that people are tested. Well, we as Christians are called to bear witness to our faith, to our faith in Jesus Christ and what he stands for in his teaching. Nearly every day we are called to defend the teachings of the church. Why? Because we're living in an increasingly secular society. I'll give you a great example. Probably the most recent and horrific example is New York and passing legislation regarding abortion. Now, a non-physician can be allowed to conduct abortions. More yet, the procedure can be done right up to the due date of the baby's birth. Essentially, it's a license to kill. Now, I don't know what was more appalling, watching the governor sign this legislation into law or watching the people standing behind the governor cheering, cheering as the governor signed this bill into legislation. It's during times like this when we must summon the moral courage to speak out, to not only defend life but defend our faith, to bear witness to our faith. Therefore, we must trust in God that he will show us how and when. Now, this is a great segue into the gospel. In the gospel, we're still with Jesus on that plane, along with the apostles and followers. For the past three weeks, Jesus has been on that plane with us, laying out the blueprint to Christianity and how to live it out. Notice how he sums everything up. He says, A good person, out of a store of goodness in his heart, produces good. But an evil person, out of a store of evil, produces evil. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, we have to realize, in the ancient world, the heart was the center of the person. More to it, the heart was where all moral decisions came from. Goodness, as well as wickedness, of our heart revealed itself in our life choices and our actions. Just as Jesus says, just as a tree is known by the fruit it bears. Another way to understand this is that a person's actions reveal their state of heart. So you say to yourself, well, what does this mean for us? Well, whatever the disposition is in our heart, good or bad, eventually it'll show itself. It'll manifest itself 
in our actions, our words, and our way of life. Give you a good example of this. Just look at the lives of the saints. Take St. Paul, for example. St. Paul had a great love for Jesus in his heart. More to it, Paul had a great desire to share his love of Christ with others, to evangelize the world. And that's what revealed in his actions in 25 years of ministry. In his 25 years, Paul evangelized two continents, not countries or counties, two continents, Asia as well as Europe. He established dozens and dozens of churches. Nearly every Sunday at Mass, we listened to Paul's letters because what was in his heart, his love for Jesus Christ, and his burning desire to share that with others. How about St. Catherine Drexel, the first American saint? She was born in the latter part of the 19th century in Philadelphia. What was in her heart? A great desire to minister to the African American and Native American people of the United States. Her zeal was so great that she made her way to Rome. And she had an audience with the Pope, Pope Leo XIII. She begged the Pope to send missionaries to the United States in the south as well as southwestern parts to minister to the African and Native Americans of the United States. The Pope said, I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. And she did just that. She established her order, the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, and they went down into the south as well as the southwestern part of the United States, and they established clinics and schools for the Native and African American people of the United States. One of the most prominent schools that they established was Xavier University in New Orleans. What was in her heart? The great desire to minister and love those people. How about Mother Teresa, a modern-day saint? We all know her. She started out as a teacher, but after seeing the plight of the poor people in Calcutta, her heart was so moved that she had a great desire to minister to those people. And then she established her order, the Missionaries of Charity, to help the poor, not just in Calcutta, but around the world. What was in her heart? Love. Love for the poor, the destitute, the dying, and the hungry. What was revealed? Her actions and establishing her ministry to minister to those people. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, for some people, what's in their heart is maybe fame, fortune, power, honor, notoriety. They pursue those things because they think they're going to make them happy, but they don't. Why? Because God must reside in our hearts. We were made for God. Now, people pursue those things. In doing so, they push God out of their heart. Those things of the world will never fill the vacancy of God's emptiness in their heart. Now, for us, Jesus has firmly taken up residency in our heart. It first started at baptism, and through subsequent sacraments, God has firmly placed himself in our heart. And like the saints, we are naturally compelled to search our hearts and ask, Lord, what can I do to serve you? And then it'll be revealed in our actions. And this is the heart of stewardship. Stewardship is not all about money. I think that's a great misconception of stewardship. The cornerstone of stewardship is prayer. We have to search our hearts in prayer and then ask God, what can I do? What can I do to serve you? 
What can I do? Can I pray? Can I share my prosperity? Can I share my skills and abilities? And the fruit we bear is what? Service to our parish and God. And we do it in many different ways. You know, many people throughout our parish serve in different ways. Maybe they have a good voice and they sing in our choir. Maybe they have the talents and skills to build things and they are on our building and grounds committee. Maybe they have the ability to teach. So they're a catechist in our faith formation program. Whatever we do, at first it comes from searching from the heart prayerfully and then asking the question, Lord, how can I serve you? Friends, Jesus this weekend, he finishes up the Sermon on the Plain. It's the blueprint of the Christian life and how we are to live that out. And he sums it up in a powerful way. From the fullness of our hearts, with Jesus in it, it reveals lives of service to God and to others in this world. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.